0: I want God to help Joan and I, and I'm not, I'm not proposing to preach to you. I just, I, I want Joan and I to just share a few things, that that God has helped us to glean through the years, and I realize that there's some of you sitting out here in this congregation. You're so far beyond what Joan and I are, and 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 if if there's someone that's not quite to the to the place and experience or whatever. If, if, if there's something you could pick up today, don't think we think we know it all, but we're called on to minister here today and, and we just want to share a few hints and a few things that would might, might work in your life. Is that okay? Praise God. Praise God. If you would, I want you to lift your hands with us and just pray God, let us do a good job in just a little bit of time here, and help our hearts and our minds to be recipient. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to infringe on on the rest of the schedule and uh, Joan and I both want to share a few things I mean I want Joan to share uh, with us also so uh, let's 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 get on with the program. I love you and thank you Brother Tenney. thank you district board whoever that had anything to do with this session. We'll do our best thank you you may be seated. I discovered some time ago, I'd heard the Beatitudes, I'd heard the way we say, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are these, blessed are that. I discovered that these blessings were suggested, or the potential blessings, were suggested at a very important time. As far as my assessment of the importance of the situation, Jesus had just amassed his disciples, he had just called them together, and knowing himself, the road that lay ahead of them, and the importance that that role was to play in his overall purpose. And all the things that he could have started with, of all the lessons that he could have taught, of all the things that he could have begun in his disciples, knowing that they were to be the ones upon whose shoulders the very existence of the cause of God rests, while he himself would go through the deep, dark valley of death, and then on when he was resurrected and ascended on to Pentecost and on beyond the thing of all the things that he could have started with teaching his disciples, his first lesson was on a mountain. He began with those disciples by saying, Fellas, there's some things that I want to point out to you. I want to give you a hint. If you will have this particular attitude, This is something that God will favor in your life. He started out with Beatitudes, and I discovered that the way we say it sometimes creates a situation where it seems to be so far removed. If I were to ask you today, how many of you feel blessed? Very few hands would be lifted. But if I ask you, how many of you are blessed? every hand in the building would be lifted. We can see ourselves blessed, but we can't picture ourselves blessed. Blessed is reserved for those who were next to deity, those who we revere in the lineup of heroes. But the way we say it, of course, coming from a Catholic influence, I'm sure, the way we say Blessed are the pure in heart. It almost puts it without beyond our reach. He wasn't talking about things that belong to Mary and Peter and Paul. He was talking about attitudes that you and I can have that will make us be blessed, God. Blessed, just little hints. And those attitudes, of course, I'm not here to talk about attitudes, but of all the things that that we can have that will be to our advantage, attitudes control the bigger part of our relationship to God. In fact, if you want it just a little bit closer home, Our attitudes concerning one another is largely responsible for what our relationship to God is. We can't get things from God, even forgiveness, if we do not grant it to our brother. And you can run the gamut, give and it shall be given. Just Whatever we do for someone else, especially our brothers is directly determining our relationship with God. So, let me, let me start off Jeremiah chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 11. Let me, let me just read it here. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then saith the Lord unto him, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. The first question that God asked, What do you see. Our first response should be to ask ourselves a question, what will I say? The situation, the setting A great work, of course, Jeremiah was to accomplish, a great role that he was to accomplish. God in his wisdom, in his plan, is not just simply a dictator, but he chooses people that he can work with, work for, and work through. It matters to God what you and I think. It matters to God what we, in the process, are seeing. When, when Jeremiah answered the question, he says, I see an almond tree, or the rod of an almond tree. God's response, suggesting that evidently Jeremiah was plugged in. Jeremiah, in his statement as answer to the question, God said, you have seen well. Now, because of what you have said said you see, this puts something in my portfolio now. And God says, I will hasten to perform it. Suggesting to me that what, Ab- what Jeremiah saw and spoke by faith was not actually in existence at the time he spoke it. But when he said it, God says, that's a good idea. I will hasten to see to it that it comes to pass." The role that you and I play in being helpers or workers together or laborers together with God carries a significance that we ourselves do not comprehend. What we think about things, the attitude that we have about things goes far beyond what we actually we've got this concept and i know i, I know it's it, it's it's righteous it's 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 good that god is he's there god rules the earth he sits upon the circle of the earth and and and, and we see ourselves as just maybe sitting beside uh, side uh, on the wayside that every once in a while we may have an idea may have and somewhere we may fit into the program of God but if we could just simply recognize the role that we play in the process the daily process of what happens in our lives what happens in our church what happens in our families God is constantly wanting to know what do you see what do you feel what is your desire What is the things that would make you happy? What is your vision? We know the scripture, without a vision the people perish. We know the scriptures that says, Speak to the mountain, be thou removed, and it shall be cast into the sea. We have an understanding of all of that. But yet, when it comes to actuality in our lives, that I have that kind of a significance in the mind of god brother booker you're blowing my mind about the god being mindful of us he can't get us out of you heard him just now he couldn't get david out of his mind we do not comprehend the role that we play and the importance that god places upon what you and i feel and say about things and that creates a situation where the importance of what we say, what we feel, what we project with our words. We have, and we heard it again last night, Brother Jeff Arnold, the power of the spoken word. Faith is not uh, uh, any good just as a thought. It's got to be spoken. Love is not love when it's held to itself. It's got to be an expression. We understand these things, but yet when it comes to our own lives, we sometimes we are hearers, but we're not doers. The premium right now, children of God, my fellow ministers and 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 dear ladies of of of, of the of the cloth, we are not brought to this hour just simply to 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 uh, repeat stories or hear things that happen to others. And 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 just and and lay all of the significance to them and what happened there. God is wanting to use you and I. And it's not just happening in Alexandria, it's not just happening in Modesto, California. God wants it to happen in your hamlet, in your village, in your community. God is wanting a person in your place, in your world that He can use and identify with that will become a part what we say. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the rod of an almond tree. That's good. I like that. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll hasten to see to it that that that's brought into existence. Faith, the spoken word. The situation that we desire I challenge you and I hasten here I, I, I would love I'd love to have all the time in the world but we know that can't happen in, in camp meeting and I'm not lamenting I'm just saying these 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 subjects are, are are so powerful God is God is doing such a such a beautiful thing in this camp meeting to stretch our minds beyond ourselves how many of you would like for God to literally take our minds and stretch them beyond ourselves? When God says, "What do you see wanting to include us into the thought process, into the decision process, into speaking something into existence, when God asks us that question, what are we going to what are we going to say? are we going to Uh, Are are we going to express that we're on a pity party? Are we going to express the discouragement of human reasoning? Are Are we going to speak something into existence by speaking faith? Something that does not exist, but yet by faith saying, God, this is what I see. This is what I see. And God saying, hey, I like that. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hurry up and make sure that that comes into being. It's not actual it's not an actuality yet, but I'm fixed to speak it into existence myself. Praise God. That comes to the beauty of the significance of prayer. Prayer. What 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 is prayer? And God dealt with my heart the other day about this and I was talking to the church about it. And 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 right in the middle of me trying to explain, it was like It was like a world opened up to me that I'd never seen. If any of us had a critical situation where a family member or somebody was going to trial, any mother or daddy would give anything in their power if they could just have five minutes with the judge that's going to be presiding in that case. We'd give give anything if we just had just... Or if we couldn't speak to the judge, if we could just speak to a lawyer that's going to be helping present the case and plead the case. If I could just have a word with the lawyer that's gonna help out in the situation. Prayer is the God-given privilege to every one of us to walk not into a courtroom in this world, but to walk into the into the room where the decisions are made that govern the that govern the activities in this earth, man and everything else, God gives us the opportunity to walk into that room and place our feelings and petition before the Judge of all ages saying, I want to know how you feel about it. I want to know what you think about it. And God gives us the awesome privilege of changing His mind. We act sometimes like everything is chiseled in stone, but if that's the case, there wouldn't be such a thing as prayer. We need faith. We're not people that believe in the in in, in predestined situations that we can't change. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in speaking to the mountain. We believe in saying the word. We believe in speaking the word of faith. We believe, we believe, we believe. And God has given us the awesome privilege to speak things into existence that does not yet exist. Somebody shout hallelujah with me walking into the, into the room where the decisions are made that govern all the activities of the earth and mankind and allowing us to have the ear of the judge of all the earth to alter his decision and his way of thinking. God allows me the privilege to change his mind or change the outcome of a situation. So in our speaking words, we've got to come to the realization of the fact that words we speak, whether in the pulpit, whether in prayer, or whether in conversation, these words carry an awful lot of weight. We can bless a person. Now, let me let me let me let me go back. God talks about many, many times, the Word of God talks about blessing this house, bless this one, bless that one. God even talked about people that didn't hear what you had to say, get on the outside of the streets and shake the dust off There is, there is something about our actions and our responses, our thinking, our words. The old-timers many times would walk into a place and say, I've blessed this house. I've heard people talk about Brother Andrew Urshan walking into their home and saying, I've blessed this house. When he walked away, he said, I've blessed this house. We don't do that an awful lot anymore, but we have the power to bring a blessing to somebody's house. We have the power to speak a blessing into existence for somebody that's in trouble. We have the power to bring a blessing and speak a blessing upon our children. We've got that power And if we have the power to speak a blessing through recklessness and idle tongues and misguided conversations, we can speak curses. We can speak things that do not exist in the form of curses on people. We need, my God, if the Pentecostal people all over the country could just simply learn that what we speak is going to be what we have to deal with. Remember the scripture, we're going to reap what we sow. If there's ever been a day that we need to speak blessings, if there's ever been a day that we need to speak hope, if there's ever need a day that we needed to take our idle tongues or, or bridle our tongues to only speak something that's going to bless, We don't need to have our minds all befuddled and muddied by the things that are going on that we can't do anything about except through prayer anyway. We don't need to have our minds confused about all the things. These are nothing but ploys of the devil to keep our minds off of the main objective. The main objective is blessing God's people. The main objective is bringing a revival to our community. The main objective is bringing a revival and a restoration to our own home, to our own
1: children. Everything about
0: it. We need to be blessing God. I bless this house. When we, when, we, when we bring negative things into our relationship, even with our wives, we bring negative atmosphere into that home. And you're going to have to deal with it in problems with your own companion. We speak things into existence by the power of the negative word. That I could go on for, I deal with people, I have couples in the church, I tell our people if you have ever had a negative thought about your relationship with you and your companion, don't you let it come out of your mouth. If, 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 if divorce or not being a part of the team ever, ever crosses your mind, don't you let it come out of your mouth. Because what you say is what you're going to get. Job said, the thing that I feared has come upon me. You express fear, it's going to become a reality in your life. We need to talk blessing. I bless my family. I bless my marriage. I bless my relationship. And just one little hint to the wives here. wives. You, I, I know, I know there, there's, a, there's a concept going on of today that you be your own thing, and you be your own person, and you live your own life, and you don't have the call, and, and, and you be independent, and you be this. I'm telling you, you'll never have the happiness in your marriage, nor the happiness in your home, until you become a part of what that God-called husband of yours is called to do. And I'm not saying you get up in the pulpit with him the way my wife is going to be here today. You might not have that opportunity. That may not be your role. But in prayer, in faith, in desire hallelujah in dedication in willingness in offering yourself to become a part of his cause and to become a part of his dream and to become a part of what will make him successful you be a part of that will be the happiest existence you can have in your life fellas if there's something negative that's happening or working in your family speak speak something positive about it we have the power through our words to make our ladies something that maybe we have not found them to be yet if you want to live with a with a queen treat them as the king you are kings are what makes queens. We can speak them into becoming what we want them to be but we always speak is negative it happens with our children you tell your, your, your child you're so dumb you're so stupid you're going to get exactly what you have put into that child you speak that to your saints you speak condescending and down to your saints and you will get exactly what they have found that you expect them to be. But if you encourage them in the Lord, you are, you're, you're God's children. You, you, you've got what it takes. Encourage them to become what they are not yet. And you will be the recipient of the blessing of people in your congregation that have become what your ministry put in them they could be. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house here today. Somebody shout hallelujah with me. The power of the spoken word. What do you see, Jeremiah? What do you see? I don't see anything as far as human reasoning is concerned, but faith tells me there's something I'm supposed to say here. I'm going to go ahead and speak it out. Wonderful. You have spoken something that I think is a good idea, and I'm going to hasten to bring it to pass. How many of you want revival in your church? How many of you want revival in your community? How many of you want healings and miracles in your assembly? How many of you want your children brought back to God or restored from a fall? Maybe everybody's not in that category, but some of us have been. Oh, brother, I want you to hear me today. There's a power in what our attitude about it all is and speaking what we want to become. I will not have, I will not have by faith, and I'm not putting accolades on myself, but I will not have a church that is divided and and, and busted up with division and, and all of this. And we have problems just like anybody else, but we can speak it of where that becomes the order of the day and we succumb to it. Or we can stand up against that avalanche and say, I will not have it. It is not so. I speak victory. I speak unity. I speak revival. I speak restoration. I I feel faith in somebody's heart here today. We have the awesome privilege of changing our world around us. We have the awesome privilege of changing our family, of changing our church, changing our kids, changing our marriage. Speak it into existence. I want my darling companion. She's not just the love of my life. She has given to me such a, well, such a partnership in the thing that God has called me to do. And I want her to come and share some things with you. Joan, let you,
2: Thank you so very much. When I lost my shoe coming from the ball, I was always glad that he put out a search for the one that had worn the shoe, and it was me. I never was sorry that this was my prince. Yeah, we disagreed sometimes. We used to. We are really on a high plane now. We never do that anymore. But when we did, it was so fun making up. And when he was speaking about what do you see and say what you see even though you don't see it, that makes sense to me. That makes good sense to me. My grandmother, Donahue, was lying on her deathbed, and her kids were all around. My mother and Sister O'Brien, two of her kids, and Amy um, that's Sister O'Brien, she said, Mother, what about Eb? Eb was the one of the four children that was not in the church and had never been. Ma Donahue said, don't worry about Eb. And Aunt m you know, she just got real frantic. She said, but mother, he never goes to church one time a year. He comes with me to Starks on Easter Sunday and that's it. He never comes. She said, Em, I already know about Eb. Don't Worry about Eb. I want to go home. And she did. Where is Eb today? He's in the church. What I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes is this. I am making a big assumption today, seeing that you are ministers and ministers' wives or whatever. In some capacity, you minister in the kingdom. So I am assuming that you are people of prayer and when i assume that you are people of prayer i am also making an assumption that it's some time in your life that god has made to you one-on-one a personal promise that you have tucked it away in here and maybe you shared it and maybe you didn't share it maybe it was too sweet and too good to share maybe it was too unbelievable to share but you've got it here and you tucked it away and you're holding it now for those of you that have never received one i want to explain to you that this promise is not a pacifier that you stick in your mouth when you wish you could go to sleep at night but you really don't trust god so you don't know exactly what to do so you say oh yeah i got a promise well no it isn't a lollipop to get the bitter taste of frustration and mistrust out of your life It's not just a little security blanket that you wrap up in and you just hope the whole world will go away because, oh, I know there was a promise, but dear God, I don't know. Because when you receive a promise from God, what has happened to you is you have begun a journey. I won't take time for the reading, and of course, most of you know that I don't read and write anymore, but it is in the book of Psalms 105 and I think maybe the 19th verse, something like that. He was talking about Joseph who was in a prison and you know the whole story of Joseph. But the the scripture in the American Standard, it's a little bit clearer. It just simply says, until the word of God was fulfilled, the word of God tried him. So, are we saying... That when we receive a promise from God that it's here, it's now, it's right this second, and tomorrow I'll hold it. Maybe not. Because ten times out of nine, if you were promised health, you probably will experience the most excruciating pain that you've ever felt. If you've been promised life, you may stare death straight in the face if you have been promised the salvation of your loved ones you may have to walk to the gates of hell and reach in and snatch them out but you've got to remember the gates won't stop you never so don't think it's a promise today and a fulfillment tomorrow if that promise was given to you to try you then by the end of this interim period which we call the in-between time of the promise and the fulfillment you will see mountains higher than you ever dreamed that they could be not knowing how in the world you will ever reach the summit you will walk into valleys that are deeper than you could ever dream that God Almighty could scoop out in this earth You will walk through storms that your wildest imagination never dreamed that winds could blow like that. But of all the things that you must clutch tightly to you, it's that promise, that the promise giver who cannot lie, who wouldn't if he could and couldn't if he would, he gave it to you and it's yours and it's going to come to pass. Who are all those people crossing over into Canaan, and how? What, what right do they have to go over there? Well, that's Abraham's kids. All of them? Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah, that's the old man that got the promise. Yeah, boy, I wish that would have been me. Man, I don't never get special stuff like that. Do you really now? Too old for it to even be true? Your spouse is laughing at you? And anybody else that heard the story would think you were a fool. Do you really want to walk up, Mariah? You know the ram was coming up on the other side, but he didn't know it. Do you really want to walk that road? Sands of the sea and the stars of heaven. It sounds so dramatic, but try walking in Abe's boots and see how much fun it was. Did it work? Yes, it worked. But what I'm saying is, can you understand the in-between time? The boy comes out, I don't know if he was, I don't know, maybe he didn't use wisdom, I don't know. He had this pretty coat on, he came out and he said, boy, I had some dreams. Well, he stirred up a bunch of jealousy among his brothers, and I'm not going to that story. You know all that stuff better than I do. And it's like, well, are you going to bow or not? Not because this was just the beginning of something but there's a trip to be made in a pit on a caravan to a house in a strange land. you're going to be lied on you're going to be put in jail and when somebody goes out that you've shown a favor and you say would you remember me they're going to forget you but you have to understand that when the Word of God had tested him enough enough that's just a word enough when it was finished then he become the one that he had dreamed about how many years before that now if he had walked from the field with his brothers to the throne in Egypt I don't know what he would have reached for when those brothers who hated him so viciously came before him but he had been tempered and he had been melted and he had been crushed and instead of reaching for the sword he reached for the grain sack and he said i'll feed you i know they try to deify Mary, but dear god would you have wanted that role Try making somebody believe you're going to have a baby and you... I mean, they don't buy that. Nobody buys it. But what Mary knew, she pondered it in her heart. She lived through the snide remarks. And she lived through the giggles and the pointing of the girls down at the well. And she lived through all of the neighbors talking about it her mom and daddy and how they didn't raise a good girl and she walked through all of this and it had seemed so long and he was just a boy playing out in the yard yeah right you had a big boy didn't you? yeah he's out there throwing rocks with the rest of the gig. big deal yeah that's good and God said wait a minute you know what I I want to do something for you Mary come here this is not the real thing but I got a little wind to hear and I'm going to let you peek through this window. And it's just something just to give you just a little bit. I know you believe it, but this will just kind of help you go on for a little bit. He said, now look through this window. What are you seeing there? She says, oh, that's my kid in there. And he's talking to the lawyers. And the, oh, my Lord, he's asking, listen at that listen at that. He's not just another kid out throwing rocks. This is the special one that was told to me about before he was ever conceived in my womb and it gave her the strength to walk on until they finally arrived at the marriage in Cana. Would you have wanted to wait 30 years and 9 months to be vindicated? All depends. It just all depends on how much your promise means to you. Let's anoint this boy. You're going to be a king. Okay, let's take these sheep clothes off. They stink pretty bad. You got new robe. Oh, no, 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 honey. Not now. Go back right where you were. Oh, God. How many times has that happened to you? That God showed you something and you knew he did that was going to happen in your ministry. And then he said, okay. Go back to your 25. No, that's not what you said. You said I could. I know. But there's a Goliath then there's a bear and there's a lion. And then you've got to kind of run from Saul. and, And you've got to go through some more tempering. And then one day you can swap out these clothes. And you can put on your crown. And you will be the king. I give to you the keys to the kingdom, Peter, whatever you loose here, I'll loose there, and if you bind it here, I'll bind it there, and that was fun, to have the keys, 11 more, wishing they had them, but he had them, and then all of a sudden, there was the trial, there was the fire, and there was the wrong place at the wrong time. And there was the weakness and then there was the i don't know him no i don't no i don't and the cursing and the swearing and then there was jesus coming out and then there was peter crumbling by the fire oh god where's my keys oh god i've dropped the keys i know i have i misunderstood things in the garden and i tried to take it in my own hands i I can't negotiate things like hills and crosses and nails and spears. All I can think about is kingdoms and thrones and power. I don't understand this. Have I lost the keys? And in remorse, he lives out a few more days. And then one day somebody runs down to where he is and says. He's not in the grave anymore. And he sent me down here to tell you, disciples and Peter, that he'll meet you in Galilee. Could you repeat that again? Yeah, you, Peter. He said my name. He said your name. Oh, Lord, there's my keys. I've still got it. Oh, thank you. It wasn't just a myth. And there they sit and they said, it's coming. It's power. It'll be here any minute. What time is it, Matt? Ah, we've been here about an hour. Well, it's not here yet. Well, he said he was going to return in the comfort room. I know, but it's 6 p.m., and he's not here yet. And that's just... How long have we been here, Thomas? About four days, but I doubt we'll be here much longer. I don't know how many went into the room. I have no idea how many entered. All I know was that those that could take a promise and write it through to the ten days or the seven or whatever your theology is, whoever they were only totaled to hundred and twenty. But that's the ones that the cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them and they began to speak and and the whole rest of the whole thing because they had whatever it took to take that promise to hold it to believe it and to ride through to the finish for all of those that walked out of the room and said boys i just think somebody misunderstood something well that's too bad bye bye hate that it's over for you but for those that waited and when they stood at the bottom of that little hill and that angel said I don't know why you're looking up here he's coming back you think sometimes he's not don't even entertain the thought he's coming any minute and we've always believed that even when it wasn't just a minute but it might really truly just be a minute now now you know I know that sometimes and in your hand I remember a understand that with however many children they have four or five do you understand steering we'd have been lost and she broke down and started sobbing she said but look at us we're still all together and we're still all here and we're still winning souls for the gospel that's the kind of business that you're in Does this mean that because you were so chosen that you will escape pain? Quite the contrary. It means you'll feel more than anybody else will. I remember when we were in our old church, but it was new then, and we had this promise of revival and whatever, and we did see it come. We did see it. It came and in that church we had to put out chairs. We, we dared not even invite anybody during revivals because we had nowhere to put them. <clears throat> but before that came, let me tell you what else came. We just started our bus ministry. And one Sunday morning there was a couple in the church. Both of them were Sunday school teachers. They were in a pre-meeting with a superintendent in the back. And they had a little girl about, she wasn't quite two years old. She walked through two locked, supposed to be doors, up a flight of steps in the dark. And at 10 o'clock sharp, there was a scream from the baptistry. And Tanya McPherson was dead. Not in a baptistry, Joan. Oh, yeah, 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 the thing that's to bring life, yeah. And there was a congregation. It was Easter Sunday. The building was full of people, and they looked on while they gathered a drowned child from our baptistry. We had several nurses, and we called whoever we were supposed to call. My husband said in that interim time right there, before they came to take that child away when they were working with it and trying to resuscitate it, which they never did. He said, I never really knew what the devil's laugh sounded like. But he walked into that little narrow hallway back there. And he cackled and he laughed at me. And he said, ah, Merle Ewing, I'll splatter your name on the newspapers, but it won't be like for good stuff. I'll make you the lapping stock in the scorn of Lake Charles. Did he? No. No, he didn't. But can you imagine how that feels when everything, you've been there, haven't you, is hinging on something and you just hope to God a hinge doesn't break. I remember when we had outgrown that building just it was too much (laughs) and we were looking for property when we finally found it it was on the interstate almost 10 acres and um, we were able to secure it and I don't have time to go into any stores I'm just skipping across because you're theologians you fill in blanks and I understand that and at the same time that we purchased the money I mean purchased the uh, got the money to purchase the property My husband lost his voice. Pastors don't preach real well when they can't speak. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, but most of them have to have a voice. For six months, we didn't hear our pastor speak. Then he got a blood clot. And then he got cancer. And then he got a kidney stone. And then his father died. And all of this happened in less than a year. It got to where when we drove over the overpass and I could look over there and see that property, I would turn my head. It was years before I told Mara that I did that, but I wouldn't look at it. I did not even want to see anything that cost that much. I didn't want to look at it. Well, we made it. Built the church. And on the day that we had the march from the old church, to the new one it was only about three or four blocks but it was a great distance as far as visibility is concerned and we marched in and I looked around and the bottom floor was almost totally packed and you know how tired you are when you get finished with a building program and I said oh dear god we built too small we built three times the capacity of the other one just in the sanctuary and now we can't Oh, Lord, we're going to have to... You know how you'll just think those things? That little dream was short-lived because as funds were going when we built, we would have had the church paid for in five years, maybe less. But at that same instant, as sometimes things kind of chronicle together there, the whole bottom fell out. Lake Charles was totally dependent upon oil. And when the bottom fell out there, it fell out from under Lake Charles. The morale of the city was so low, they started making bumper stickers. Last one out of Lake Charles. Turn out the lights. The secretary and I took down the church phone book. I'm not telling you a myth. This is true. This happened to us. We took down the church phone book, and this is only at one counting. We did it again. At one counting, we counted, head count, 300 people who were no longer with us, who had marched down with us. They weren't there. I said, Tessie, I said, that'd make a good church for somebody, 300. He said, I know, but they had walked away. The note was over $14,000 a month. Where was that promise now? What did you say? What was it you said, God? I I never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, you're here. Okay, you're here. Okay. I will supply all your needs according to you're still rich aren't you okay okay I'll, what was that other stuff you said tell me everything you ever said because if you ever said it I need to be reminded of it right now yeah. and we lived through that for years years, years. we never missed a note I can't explain this to you. I have no explanation that's logical. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. But we never missed one note. We heard it on the grapevine. Well, I think this must have been the grapevine. It wasn't the real Pentecostal vine. It was just a little vine. That Eastwood had declared bankruptcy. (laughs) I never knew about it. Now, maybe they did, but they didn't tell me. And they didn't tell the pastor so we didn't know so we just kept on forking out the money every month we didn't know any better well i'm happy to tell you that he does keep his word and in september of this year which is two years earlier than what we had made the loan to pay it off we'll burn the mortgage on that building and besides that we have bought up every piece of property in that triangle except two little, uh, one little old house here and a little glass company here and they are just about getting ready to let us have that glass company and we will own the entire triangle on Interstate 10 and 171 and Opaloosa Street is it any of our doings well not really except that we never let go of what he handed us and when it gets the darkest and when you don't know when light's coming on if you tenaciously hold that promise i don't care what he told you he wouldn't have said it if he couldn't have done it i know this much this i know so hold it And in time, and on time, the exact time, he's coming with your answer. I promise you that.